0: Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. We're happy to have our brother Don Pell with us, and we're turning our Bible Instruction Time over to him this morning. Brother Don, please. When I was growing up in Michigan, I went to a Christian school. One of the things we did in the morning is we sang hymns, believe it or not, same kind of hymns you've been singing. This was one of our favorites. But one brother challenged me one time, he says, if Jesus goes with you, is there any time Jesus isn't going with you? How about that one? Since Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. How about that? (laughs) Technicalities, right? I said it's a hypothetical question, right? If Jesus goes with me, of course he goes with me. Okay, let's go. (laughs) This morning I want you to turn to the book of Hezekiah, chapter 18. Yeah, I know. You know better than that, don't you? Back there in the, hidden back in the minor prophets, right? We're actually going to study the life of Hezekiah. He's a prominent place in scripture. And to study his life, we're going to go to 2 Kings, chapter 18. 2 Kings, chapter 18. I'm going to do something this morning that I don't normally do. Sometimes there's an awful lot of scripture and incidences. I'll kind of tell the story, but this morning I'm going to read the scriptures and then pause and then make some comments and read on. So stay tuned. Second uh, Kings chapter number 18. I want to uh, place the setting for you this morning. However, the uh, back in Second King or First Kings chapter 11 there was a prophecy that Israel would be divided into two different kingdoms. You remember, we've been studying in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and Israel said, we want a king. And God says, if you have a king, he's going to take, and he's going to take, and he's going to take. And then God also said to them this. He said, you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Now that day came when Rehoboam, Solomon's son, listened to the advice of the younger men. And this is what he said to Israel, Whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. Now that didn't go over well with the men of Israel. The ten tribes of Israel referred often as Israel, cry out, what share have we in David? What, we have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. And the net result was a split. And we read, so Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. So we have two kingdoms. We have the house of David composed of Judah and most of Benjamin becoming the southern kingdom with its capital in Jerusalem, its king, Rehoboam. We have the northern kingdom, composed of the ten tribes, Ephraim being the most prominent among them. Their capital is in Samaria, and their king is Jeroboam. Now, I say all this because now we're dealing with Hezekiah in the southern kingdom. 1 Kings chapter number 18, verse number 1. Now, it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, King of Judah began to reign. He was about 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, broke in pieces the brown serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it newsstand. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him. He kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. He, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He subdued the city, the Philistines, as far as Gaza and its territory, From watchtower to fortified city. I'm going to pause here, just keep your place. Hezekiah's father Ahaz was not a godly king. We read Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord God as his father David had done. Yet, we read of Hezekiah, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. We often say, like father, like son. But in this case, Hezekiah was totally unlike his father. Fortunately, he had two parents. His mother's name was Abby, A-B-I, daughter of Zechariah. Apparently, it can be spelled in Hebrew A-B-I-Y-A-H and it means Yahweh is my father. Little website 20,000 names gives us the Hebrew female names and what they mean. Strong's Concordance says it's my father, perhaps speaking of God the Father, and another says worshiper of Jehovah. There's a suggestion here that Hezekiah's mother is the one that provided him with his spiritual training and upbringing. We shouldn't be surprised. Mothers are often in an ideal position to provide training to their children. We remember an example of that is when Paul writes to Timothy and says, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwell first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you also. Notice all the things he knew to do at the age of twenty. That's not very old to be a king. He acted on his convictions and his training. Notice the action words that we read. He removed the high places. That reminds us that we're told to cast down our imaginations. And everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into act captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. This morning we sang, Jesus, the very thought of thee. He broke the sacred pillars, the false foundations of false gods. Paul wrote to Timothy that the house of God is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. He cut down the wooden image, and that reminds us that God declared, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. They gave it a name and they worshipped it. They called it Nehushtan, and knew it was only a symbol of brass. That's what Nehushtan means, a symbol, a brass thing, undeserving of a name. And it reminded me today that men's tendency is sometimes to worship the symbol and not The person. Now, we recognize that the cross is the place where redemption took place. At the cross, in the cross of Christ I glory. I will cling to the old rugged cross, we often sing. But we worship the Christ who died upon the cross. There's a a song in our uh, Hymns of Worship and Remembrance, number 144. Let me just read it. If now with eyes defiled and dim, we see the signs, but see not Him. Oh, may His love the scales displace and bid us see Him face to face. We sang earlier, didn't we? Face to face with Christ my Savior. He held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following Him. He kept His commandments. And this is fitting well with what Solomon had written in his Proverbs. You've probably committed these verses to memory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we read that Hezekiah did that. And lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And notice the result in the case of Hezekiah's life. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. And what's the case for those who do so? And he shall direct your paths. Now we continue in verse 9 of 2 Kings chapter 18. Now it came to pass in the fourth year of king Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalaman king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. At the end of three years they took it. In the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. Then the king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Assyria and put them in Halaan by the Habor, the river of Gozan, in the cities of the Medes, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded, and they would neither hear nor do them. So first the Assyrians attacked the northern kingdom. Now, why did God allow this? Well, we're told why God allowed this. They did not obey the voice of the Lord their God. Israel, as the northern kingdom, had a long history of idolatry. If you trace the history of the kings, you'll find that to be true. Wicked kings, lots of idolatry. That's the kingdom that Ahab, remember his lovely wife Jezebel, had control of at a period of time. Now we pick it up again at uh, 2 Kings 18, at verse 13. And the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, oh, it pains me to read this. I have done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver, and 30 talents of gold. This Is the same guy that we've been reading about? So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. And at that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Then the king of Assyria sent to Tartan, the Rapseris, and the Rapsheker from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem to king Hezekiah, and they went up and came to Jerusalem. When they had come up, they went and stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which is on the highway to the fuller's field. And when they had called to the king Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shibna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder, came out to them. Then Rebshekah said to them, Say now, To Hezekiah, Thus says the great king of the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? You speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now we're going to pause here. We find out that the Assyrians attacked the southern kingdom. And now we ask the same question. Why did God allow this? Why did God allow this? And I'm going to suggest to you that perhaps he allowed it to test Hezekiah. You see, Hezekiah does something that's striking. As I said, it pains me to read it. He compromises with the enemy. He tries to pacify him. And although his life was characterized by one who held fast to the Lord and did not submit to the Assyrians, he is like us He puts his robe on the same way we do. And he's subject to the frailties that we're subject to. He finds in so doing the slippery slope of compromise. And what happens? It leads to more conflict. And let me ask you this question. What happens when you compromise with the world? The world gets more of you. That's what happens. Do not love the world. Or the things that are in the world, John says in his epistle. What happens when you compromise with the flesh? You reap what you sow. Whatsoever man's souls, that shall he also reap. What happens when you compromise with the devil? The devil's never satisfied. He's never satisfied. He's the roaring lion who wants to devour. The Assyrians wanted it all. They wanted everything. And then the enemy tries to create doubt. And Boy, is the devil good at that. What is this? You're worshiping a God you cannot see, the devil would say to us. Where is God when this happened to you? Where is God when that happened to you, the devil says, and it causes you to doubt your faith. But if you say to me... We trust the Lord our God. Is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, You should worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now he was either ignorant or he was just simply twisting the truth. He may have actually wrongly assumed that those high places were actually part of God Jehovah, but they were heathen high places and heathen altars. He's twisting the truth and Certainly, the Lord said, you know, the devil is known for that. You are of your father the devil, he said to those Pharisees. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, sometimes when we're under attack by the enemy, as was Hezekiah, we forget to put on the whole armor of God. Sometimes we forget that if he resists the devil, he will flee from us. Let's pick it up in verse 35 of the same chapter. Verse 35. Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people held their peace, and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was, Do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shibna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn, and told him the words of Reb That takes us to 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And it was so, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble, and rebuke, and blasphemy, for the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord our God will hear all the words of Reb whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, which with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me, surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Now we're going to pause here again. Hezekiah is gripped with fear. He tore his clothes. He covers himself in sackcloth. And, you know, fear is a natural reaction when we're under attack by the enemy, Jesus, time and time again, said to his disciples, Do not fear. On one occasion, he says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Multiple times, Jesus tells his disciples, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the middle of the storm-tossed sea, and we often liken to that to the sea of life, the stormy sea of life. Jesus said, "Be of good cheer; it is not. It is I. Do not be afraid." And to Timothy, Paul writes, "For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power." and of a sound mind. Now, I want you to notice Hezekiah's reaction. He went into the house of the Lord. Why the house of the Lord? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, that's the place where God chose to place His name. It's also the place where God chose to meet with His people. It's a place where God chose to commune with His people. In the Proverbs, we read, The name of the Lord is a strong tower The righteous run into it and are safe. And Hezekiah is not presumptuous. He says, it may be, reminds me of another, it may be in scripture when Jonathan said that. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh. It was God's choice to listen, God's choice to react in his own good time. And he knew that God hears everything, But Hezekiah wanted to know that God was paying special attention to his needs and the enemy's threats. His servants make an inquiry through Isaiah the prophet. And notice what Isaiah says, Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. So God now provides his servant, Hezekiah, with this assurance that all will be well. And, of course, today we have that same assurance, if Jesus goes with me. Well, Jesus does go with me because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now let's pick it up at verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear, open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations in their lands. And have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wooden, stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I pray, save us from his land, that all the kingdom, of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. So now, let's pause here. The threatening letter. Hezekiah reads it. He goes up to the house of the Lord and he prays. Now, here's a question for you. Why pray? Think about that. Why pray? God, didn't he not already receive assurances through Isaiah that all would be well? And the answer is yes. Thus saith the Lord, Isaiah said. Did he tell God anything God didn't already know? Anything in this prayer God didn't already know about the circumstances? No. So, here's the question What value then is there in prayer? You ever think about that? What value is there in prayer? God already gives us assurances that He'll supply all of our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. He's promised to never leave nor forsake so why prayer let me suggest to you why we pray god desires to hear from us that's why paul wrote to those in thessalonica pray without ceasing hezekiah here gives us an object lesson in why we should pray you see prayer enables us to crystallize to Form our thoughts, to make them clear, to express, to articulate our cares and our thoughts and our concerns. Remember, Hezekiah said, Hear, O Lord, open your eyes, open your ears. I want you to pay. I know you hear everything, Lord. I know you're the God of the universe. You're omniscient. But, Lord, would you please just pay attention to this specific problem that we're having here with this wicked king? You see, Prayer does some really great things. First of all, prayer brings peace into our hearts. Allowing us to understand that if we take our burdens to the Lord, we can leave them there. Like the hymn writer said, take your burden to the Lord and just leave it there. Prayer relieves our anxiety. Prayer provides us with mercy. What a commodity that is. Mercy and grace to help in time of need. Now, two key verses that I always think of when it comes to prayer. One of them is absolutely my favorite. First of all, Hebrews 4.16 says this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Why would we want to do that? That we may obtain mercy and find what? Grace. Ah, we need help. Hezekiah needed help, to help in time of need. We are needy people, but here's my favorite. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, Hezekiah. (laughs) Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests, specific requests, Be made known to God, and notice what can happen even before an answer comes or even if an answer never comes. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What can you do to someone whose heart and mind is guarded? Now let's look at Hezekiah's prayer. It's a real model for prayer. Let's notice some key things about his prayer. First of all, it was personal. He took the letter, he spread it out before the Lord, laid it right out there. It was respectful, it was reverent. He refers to God as the one who dwells between the cherubim, that's the personal God, Israel, the ruler of the entire world, to the world, the creator of all things, all mankind. It was specific and actually rather brief. He identifies clearly his problems of any concisely. Explains to God his deal, his problem. Although he knew that God could hear and see everything, he asked very specifically, Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words. It was humble. He wanted God to get all the glory. That all the kings of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. It was, this may be the most important one. It was effective. It was effective. Look down at the last two verses, verse 35 in your reading there. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people rose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. Now it came to pass as he was worshiping in the temple of Nishrach, his god, that his sons, Adramalek and Shazer struck him down with a sword, and they escaped in the land of Ararat. Then Isherhadn, his son, reigned in his place. Now let's just close with a parting question. What about our prayers today? What about our prayers today? If we say something inappropriate or something silly, maybe even stupid, that may even seem to contradict what God has already promised, is that a sign of unbelief? I think not, and here's why I think not. We have a translator. Bob read that this morning. We have a translator. Who knows what we mean regardless of what we say? And he presents us to the throne of God. Could I read it again? Romans 8, 26, 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, saying things that. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, the translator makes himself intercession. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, he searches the hearts. He knows what you mean, regardless of what it is that you say. That is why, that is why all things work together for good to those who love the God who are the called according to His purpose, because the Holy Spirit prays and for us on our behalf according to the will of God. And you know something? I got to thinking about this. We rely on translators in both directions. I just read a translation of Scripture this morning. I can't read. I couldn't read the Hebrew. I don't know how to read Hebrew. I don't know how to read Greek either. But I rely on the translators to know what the mind of God is when He's speaking to me. And when I speak to God... I again have to rely on a translator. It's the Holy Spirit of God who speaks on my behalf. I'm going to close with a line of another hymn in your hymn book, Hymns of Worship and Remembrance, number 123. Now just think about this carefully. We sing it all the time, but I wonder how we give it a lot of real careful thought. Much incense is ascending before the eternal throne. ready for this? God graciously is bending what? To hear each feeble groan. Maybe you might say something wrong, but you sure don't mean it. To all our prayers and praises Christ adds his what? Sweet perfume. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit of God's through our Advocate, Jesus Christ, who makes intercession. To all our prayers and praises, Christ adds his sweet perfume and love the censor raises these odors to consume. Isn't that amazing? We have the translator. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we're thankful for the holy spirit of god who does this marvelous work of looking into the recesses of our hearts understanding what the will of god is on our behalf as you did for hezekiah and meeting our needs in your way and your time and your good measure and father we're thankful that we can do this we can boldly approach the throne of God. We can lay our hearts out. We can express our needs in our own way, in our own language, in our own manner of speaking and be confident that our prayers will be answered in such a way that they're in accordance to your will. What a, what a marvelous communications we have with Almighty God. We just pray, Father, that these thoughts that have been shared this morning might Serve to the care and nourishment of hearts gathered here this morning, for it is in Jesus' name we pray, our intercessor. Amen.